Welcome to Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany. In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world. Season four is coming to you nearly a year after we initially recorded these interviews. What can we say? Life happened. It was a very challenging transition, coming back from being in lockdown and mostly restricted, and finding a way to make music in person while keeping everyone safe. So a few things slid by the wayside, but we're back and we're excited about this season. We interviewed three of our colleagues from the Music University of Freiburg, and it was a great opportunity to hear about their ideas and their lives. This conversation with Emma Louise Jordan took place on December 15th, 2021, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Emma Louise Jordan is a dancer and a choreographer. Originally from the UK, she studied classical dance in London at the Legat School of Russian Ballet and at the Rambert Academy. As a dancer, she toured Europe with the Midlands Dance Company and the Vienna Festival Ballet and danced in Germany with Ballet Schindowski in Gelsenkirchen, Tanzwerk Nürnberg, and Theater Dortmund, among others. In 1999, she joined the Theater Freiburg with Amanda Miller and the interdisciplinary ballet company Pretty Ugly. Her work as a director and a choreographer is not only full of wit and charm, but is also often deeply moving. Emma Louise's work is not only with professionals, but extends to amateurs, elderly people, teenagers, and people with and without disabilities. She truly has a gift for helping people express themselves, and we are incredibly lucky to call Emma-Louise our colleague here at the Hochschule in Freiburg. I've had the immense privilege of teaching interdisciplinary courses with her, and both Elena and I have even performed with her as part of our Unquiet Thoughts Collective. Emma-Louise, thank you so much for being here tonight on this rainy Freiburg evening. Um, I just talked about your resume, but what I would really like to know, and maybe you can share it with us briefly at least, what is your story? How did you, how did you become who you are today? Good evening. Well, <laughs> how did I become um, who I am today? Well, okay, my story is that my parents... Were, became very alert as soon as I wanted to dance at a young age. Well, I wanted to dance. I was just dancing around. And my mother... What is dancing around? Well, mostly just, just, yeah, just dancing around and telling them very sincerely at a very, you know, at the age of five that I was going to be an artist. And uh, <laughs> my mother her said, well, what kind of artist? And I said, just an artist, darling. That was what I said. <laughs> So she's like, okay. And, um, I'm picturing five-year-old Emma Louise, and I think I have seen a picture of you at yes. one point when you were that age. You I, have. I actually can imagine this. Um, <laughs> I don't think you've seen this picture, but no. you, you had attitude at a young age. Um, at least it looked that way. So I can, I can imagine. I can see it. Yeah. 
yes, I think I did. But I, um, my mother was the character of the family. I was okay. still very much, uh, yes, um, very un. What can I say? Didn't I wasn't even convinced about the dancing. I was taken to a dance class um, with a friend of mine. Actually, I just accompanied her, and the teacher pointed me out as having uh, talent. And so that my mother, my mother just jumped on that because she had wanted to be a musician she played the piano she played a flute and her parents had not had not at all sort of supported her as mm. was there as was this generation's won't i mean the you know my grandparents um generation that wasn't on their radar and the same with my father who was a very gifted sportsman <clears throat> so they were both just very open for that Mm -hmm. and uh, but as I say I hadn't actually I hadn't uh, I hadn't I didn't think at all uh, about whether I wanted uh, what I wanted to do I was so young my mother just took this on as she does everything and uh, through contacts of her of her own found out about this boarding school which was for Russian ballet this is the legat right Mm. and uh, that was the only thing she knew Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing she'd heard of and um, it, it coincided with uh, private things in the family you know my uh, family were, were bre- breaking up so mm-hmm. I went there at a very young age wow and did you say just now in a little side sentence that you left for Russian ballet boarding school right at the same time that your family was breaking up yeah wow yeah. I mean, they had separated, but I think, yeah, so it was, but it wasn't, I mean, when I tell my German friends there, the whole idea of boarding school is like, oh gosh, your parents hated you. And I'm like, mm, well, no, I'd like to say no. Um, but in England, it's much more, yeah, it's much more of a usual thing to do. But still, yes, I was very young. I was younger by three years than anyone in the school. So I was incredibly young. Mm-hmm. And um, But because I was an only child and this school, it was about 100 pupils, I was very, uh, I was immediately felt comfortable and I was very happy in that school. And I was there until I was 16, actually. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, at the time, it was in the 70s where Russia in itself was an, an anachronism, especially mm-hmm. in Europe, and, and also ballet. Nobody wanted to know about it. It was just, hmm. you know. So Legat was very much kind of an island and a, a sort of a leftover from the century before. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to be 16 and I went to Royal Ballet, as we always wanted to do, every child who did ballet wanted to go to the Royal Ballet, to audition, they looked askance at me and was just like, what have you what's this what's this style you mm. have wow and um so i was like well look at russian oh they were just like no sorry um so my mother said well we thought she had to have be trained first and they said no no we train we take them completely you know uh untrained and we form the dancers that's how it's done so no mm. she won't be it's too late now so of course my whole world broke apart at 16 but as so often, out of uh, this misfortune came my fortune. I, I joined then the Rombe, which was the place for me. And I, that's when I learned contemporary, modern, and that, whole, that opened a whole other world. And that was mm-hmm. in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then I trained, uh, my, finished my education there until I was 19. And then 
as we all did all the time, we had an interrail card and off we went to Europe to audition. <laughs> so that was, and you know, my parents asked me a couple of times, do you still want to do this? Do you want to leave? For me, it was completely synonymous with the family feeling that I had in that school, mm. that it was part of our day. We danced from uh, after lunch to the evening and when, you know, it was just all integrated. And for me, that was, it wasn't about the dance anymore. It was about that feeling mm. and that that mm-hmm. um, solidarity that, that we felt, like I said. Community. Were, yeah, community yeah. that I didn't really have otherwise. So it always stayed like that. Mm. So it was never so, oh, I have to dance. Mm. Um, it was, I need to stay in this world. It's my mm-hmm. world now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, but it be, because it became so natural to me. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. wasn't something I thought of separately. You know? mm-hmm. Anyway, and then, um, so the rest of my story, let's keep that. So I, I, I did start te- um, dancing in England, and uh, I danced, uh, first started with a modern dance company, and then a, a classical company. I sort of yo-yoed all my career from one to the other, actually. And then I came over, actually I did a musical, in the meantime, a musical. <laughs> and I came over here and visited some friends who were already dancing in German companies. And then I was offered a contract. So that's how I got to Germany. Mm. And that was for me, there I was very, um, very clear and very logical about that step. I was just not prepared to hang around London to be out of work, hoping for a project after all that training, after all that, you know, I realized, no, no, I've put enough into it now. My, my parents have paid enough into it and I need to work. And it was clear to me, if I don't get that link into the professional life, it could all quickly go, you know, still at the end, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't quite 20 and mentally and physically that's so hand in hand at that time and couldn't afford to let my, my mental... Uh, state go down my body would have fallen apart I was very aware of that so I was like I need to get constant work and so I took that contract mm. as very clear I mean for me it was about surviving in the world there. what what kind of contract was that it was a yearly contract in Musik Theater in Revere it was in the Ruhrpott in Gelsenkirchen Bally <laughs> Shandowski yeah. and interestingly there were six colleagues of mine or six friends um, from Rombert, from the same college. <laughs> so it was like a mini colony there. And was probably very good, my doorway into integrating into Germany. I'm not so sure if I'd have gone straight into, let's say, Tanzwerk Nuremberg, which I did many years later, if I'd have gone straight into there, I think, I, I don't know, it would, it would have been a bit trickier. Um, but it, it, diff, it felt like home from home because of the mm-hmm. people. You know? mm-hmm. And it was, uh, although Girls and Kitchen is, you know, not the metropolitan, <laughs> of Germany or anywhere it had a fantastic and still does theatre definitely the best theatre to, to this date um, to work in and also the area was, is you know so culturally so rich mm-hmm. the Ruhrpott so mm-hmm. I was very happy there I did probably stay too long they say as a dancer in your 20s you should move mm. move frequently and I didn't but I was just, again, amb- never ambitious for the actual career, very ambitious for the actual work and the dancing and my environment, but not necessarily now I have to move on to this or this mm-hmm. place. So um, I left there when I was 30, and then I, I, yeah, and then I went to Nuremberg. And I was lucky enough to, in all these companies to be touring as well, so it wasn't sort of just in that town. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, so it was, and it was never a question for me to really go back. Mm-hmm. to England after mm-hmm. that 
Actually, one thing that you said really strikes a chord with me, which is that it takes a lot of self-knowledge and presence of mind at 20 to know that you need to take care of yourself in a certain way, mm -hmm. that you need to make sure that you get work, even if it may not have been the work that you dreamt of. But you, you did that for yourself, and that strikes me as really extraordinary to know that so early because I, I feel like that's that takes many people a lifetime to figure out mm -hmm. how to take care of themselves so that they will flourish yes 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 and it seems like you recognize that I mean early. yes you made it sound very nicely I think there was a lot of fear in there <laughs> also you know my training was wonderful but my I mean I really did ask myself what else can you do I mean, and my other, you know, uh, schoolwork and stuff was definitely, the, the imbalance was not, you know. So I would have, I would have, I would have been, so I would, there was fear in there too. Mm -hmm. But um, I was prepared to do what it took. I mean, I wanted to dance. I knew I wanted to dance by then. So that was, yeah, hopefully the main thing, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 If I can jump back for a second, mm. um, you talked about, dancing around yeah. as a kid. Um, do you have any memories of music as a child and that playing a role? I mean, clearly you had the need to move. Mm -hmm. Was music a part of that? Yes. Yes, I would always respond to music, uh -huh. definitely. Yes. I would say... The thing is, with, with ballet, in classical ballet, you're saturated immediately with the classics. So that right. was very well. I mean, I went to see Swan Lake at the age of five. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was very much, you know, my world. I have to say, I was very, mm -hmm. um, it was very sort of just in that genre. So I was not ex like anything like open. And even when I was at the boarding school, I mean, I mean, Really, I was not open to popular music, although we had radios and things. It was very much channeled to that music. I mean, I was aware, of course, my mother also, we just had classical music. So it's at home, um, and she played classical music. And so that was basically my one. I would say where I, I became very inspired by, and I would not say I was inspired by ballet music either. For me, as soon as I would hear... Uh, certain ballet musics like you know, Nutcracker or something like that, Chopin, I would I would immediately put it towards perfection and technique. Mm. I, you know, it was not it was not a it was not necessarily a joy. I, I like you know I loved it and it mm -hmm. resonated and so on, but it was always about and how are you going to perform? So that that I see now as as rather sad mm. actually. Uh, that's, yeah, you know? that's really interesting. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I think there for musicians there are those pieces as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, it's just it's not different. And actually, in your in your training at the Legat School, mm -hmm. um, we also spoke to my friend Johnny Gandelsman, who's a violinist, and he was trained by Russian teachers for the first mm -hmm. sixteen years of his life, or something. And and he also talked about just the the first of all the 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 what's the word the rigor of that and the the incredible strictness and then and then discovering a different world after that and mm. was did you have some kind of parallel experience coming from the russian school and then studying contemporary dance and 
And also I'm wondering about the, the physical and the emotional consequences of that kind of training. Mm. Um, yes. Um, it was a very, I would say, in terms of the, the technique and the training, very heavy Russian. I had big, heavy legs by mm. the time I left that school. Mm. Everything was uh, repeated at least doubly as much as the Royal Academy system, which I then got to know in London. And so my figure kind of changed. So that was on a physical level, and it was very... with strength. And, and so that was something, but I... When I got so it was a shock to me when I got to to London, but uh, not necessarily freedom because uh, the modern technique we worked with was mostly Martha Graham, mm -hmm. which is just as difficult as classical technique, and in fact for somebody who's come just from the classical, ugh, but even more, I found it even more difficult actually at the beginning. So that didn't mean freedom to me particularly. Mm -hmm. um, The, but the thing is, it was counteracted that boarding school with the familiar situation, the familiar situation of, of, of living there and of having my, as I call them, my friends, family there. So I was always, con I was very um, working, concentrated, very hard. And then we would be out of the lesson and it would be, and we were, very, we were allowed a lot of freedom at the school. I mean, when you live there. So I felt our personal skills were, could develop totally mm -hmm. naturally. And that was wonderful. And that somehow kept me mentally, I think, still stable enough mm -hmm. um what i will say about dancing in general if you come from the classical direction is it is about functioning you know mm. you do tend to lose touch a little bit with yourself mm. strangely physically you know mm. in terms of really wow. can't allow yourself to sort of be weak or um let go or so and that definitely stayed with me and also and this stood in my way as a young professional dancer the russian system is so oh, i mean you can see it when they dance it's so it's very vibrant it's it's rigor and it's it's um you just throw you know, throw everything at it but i did that was the only way i knew Nobody had helped me, or let's say you're only ready to understand when you're ready to understand, but how to channel energy. Mm -hmm. And I was somebody, I was very dynamic, and I had a lot of energy. And even when I came to London, I, I, just, I just took on everything that was new and went like a bull in a china shop, you know, when I came to auditioning. And I missed a couple of opportunities there because I had good feedback as a dancer. Well, you, you know, you have a personality, you have a good technique, and you don't quite understand how to channel that energy yet. You're just throwing everything at it. So this sort of <laughs> less is more thing that was, uh, you know, I could hear those words. And I was just like, how, what? I just have all this energy, you know. And everything <laughs> else is laziness. You know, it was literally that black and white for me. Mm. Um, so that, unfortunately, that came with age and a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there is another way around that? I mean, do you think there is a way? Is that what you do? You do you help people to find that that way of channeling now, young people, in your work? Yes, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say so. I, I, that's one of the reasons I like working with non-professionals. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, they're coming at you in a whole from an all other direction, only motivated, only open. They don't have that huge you know, rucksack of, of, you know, and you know that in the music, it's the same uh, thing with, where you, you're almost more of a handicap to have this totally. training. Yeah. Yeah, because you're so mm -hmm. hung up on what you think it's supposed to be. Yeah. 
and you're not at all paying attention to what is and, and what natural capabilities you have. Yeah. And all, you know, comparing and competitiveness and because you're dealing with critic all the time as you are anyway in the arts. Yeah. So that was very, very hard. So I never really, I have to say, I only, I managed to enjoy everything and love it because of the community. Mm. I would say that, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. I would like to think that I can give just the joy part over mm-hmm. <laughs> to who I teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here in the, in the Musikhochschule, it's just, for me, a dream, a dream place to be and to teach because um, I'm so lucky they come in, they know... They're here to, to to experiment, but they're not going to be tested. They're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah. not going to be, and um, uh, they don't have exams in, in that. So mm-hmm. uh, they um, yeah. they're they're relatively relaxed, and then they're you know they're more free straight away. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Well, that is such an important point. I mean, we've talked about this a lot before mm-hmm. too. How how do you even have exams in the arts anyway? Uh, no. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's either entirely meaningless, mm. or it's um, it's according to a set of standards that differ according to who's sitting there in the absolutely mm-hmm. in the jury. And yeah, the, mm-hmm. yeah. I would love to dig in a little bit to what working with musicians um, entails for you. Um, do you notice, do you have certain um, observations or maybe even challenges when you're, when you're working with musicians and, and getting them to connect to their bodies? I mean, you, you said you're grateful for the, the openness mm-hmm. and the sense of we can try this out because it's not our main, mm-hmm. our main area. Yeah. Um, but what, what have you observed about musicians and their bodies over the years? Well, there are certainly, I've noticed, especially in the music hall, categories, you know, of um, uh, instrumentalists, for instance, compared to the opera singers. Mm -hmm. So there is a huge, huge gap between them. Mm -hmm. Um, The singers have a more varied training, and, you know, and they have this uh, scenic acting training. They're just all of them, even the ones who are maybe stiffer. Uh, or less experience in their bodies just from the they have so much practice you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's it's always easy for me to work with them um, and instrumentalists uh, I mean I'm being very general now of course it depends on the individuals I have in front of me but I would say uh, my observations are yeah the head and the finger hand work is, you know, optimal and everything else is, you know, hopefully going to work along with it. I mean, I'm being, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, even, you know, so to get to get people to breathe sometimes is a, mm-hmm. is a major thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's major for, for all of us in a way, because yes. we, we all, you know, especially emotionally, we're, we're up here. But to get this breath into the body and they don't mm-hmm. necessarily they don't trust themselves with that and mm-hmm. because they're not maybe having enough practice or, mm-hmm. um so that's a big challenge so yeah. is that where you start when you're working with musicians is that a key a key place that you yeah that you begin to work yeah. with them the connecting to their breath yeah yeah which takes a while i mean yeah. me just telling them to breathe in and out doesn't do it you know so that's why it, it definitely touching their own body 
that's why mm-hmm. I like jerrykinases because yes. they start with a stimulating warm up and they're right. literally touching and, and resonating in their body, like to the bone, so that they're, yeah. you know, yeah. vibrating. And then it kind of it gives them a new <laughs> kind of waking up. Yeah. And, you know, it completely messes them up just like slapping their feet. I mean, they're just already out of their comfort zone. And then they're like, okay, I'm in for it all. And then maybe they start breathing. I have the feeling, you know, that they, they'll come with them because it's rhythmic. Rhythmic right. place. Right. That's why it's, I find it excellent for here because of the rhythmic sense. And also because if you have a group of people, it can become like an army in the best sense, in mm-hmm. the best sense an army can be in terms of, generating and and you know uh, collective energy mm-hmm. um whatever it's then used for but that it is an army makes sense for that reason in terms of that so so that's why uh and, and rhythm you know they, sometimes i can see them that they almost don't want to but because and especially because they're musical mm-hmm. they're just going to keep going with the rhythm and that's already a lot you yeah know? so yeah. i um yeah and actually um I notice, I notice over the years, I've been here so long now, a difference happening, though, generally in musicians. Mm. Um, a lot of also our instrumentalists, they're much more aware and they're much more um, open and they, they, they don't seem to have so much problems to, to touch and to be a bit more, bi- just bigger, just everything moving bigger. And mm. um, Wow, I wonder yeah, why I that really is. Know, I don't know. Do you have any... Um, Any ideas about that? I, I just think it's just the general evolution of education, training, connection to I don't know, social media. I don't. They're seeing more. They're they're more exposure, and they want more. They they are mm. questioning what they want. Like okay, right. I think, <laughs> and then they they they're just I don't mm-hmm. know, just waking up to possibilities of mm-hmm. like we all have to, you know, sort of take a lot in to be able to refine what we where we want to go I think we we need all the other that seems to be coming across to me yeah, yeah. Uh, could you actually tell us a little bit about gyrokinesis and also yeah. for our listeners who don't know what this is oh right I did okay. not like, include that in the intro but yes. yes that's also a big part of your oh gosh because you are a trainer yeah. right yes, for gyrokinesis and right. um and also um maybe you could tell us how you got into it what drew you to it okay. and what it's about okay well as a professional dancer I was notoriously bad at warming myself up before a class which would be you know intelligent my body I had a very lucky body and I would just like <laughs> the class is to warm me up I'm not going to come in anymore <laughs> and the rest of the day is going to be long so I was really um, no, you know I just used to bounce in at the last minute a little bit like Tigger and everything seemed fine I was never injured I was fine um, and then we had a guest teacher here in Freiburg And she taught us about 20 minutes of gyrokinesis before we started the class. And I remember then, because I'm not a class person, I'm a performer. So I was always <laughs> like, oh, especially the bar. And I was just, okay. Um, and I just felt like another person. I mean, for sure, it was partly the actual warm-up part of it. But also, um, <clears throat> it felt very organic to me. And this whole, it was dancing yoga, really, mm. is what. That's how you could loosely name it, dancing yoga. So it's it's rhythmic. It's it's all about moving. Gyro comes from circles. Circles and spirals, which is actually, you know, how, how our body's made up. It's not made up linear. It's made up of spirals and and circle so um this just made sense to me it was a light bulb for me and um 
And because I was a dancer, it seemed I knew I was going to stop dancing. I was like, that's the way I was going to go. I was contemplating taking uh, Alexander Technique uh, training because mm-hmm. I'd done quite a lot of it, mm-hmm. but uh, which was great too. But I found that very solitary. And gyrokinesis, again, a group thing. It is this whole... Um, collective energy thing which is very familiar to me mm-hmm. and and I have to say I became more connected in my body when I started doing it than I had been as a dancer according to my own osteopath he actually <laughs> said oh my god so it, it makes sort of inner connections and it's a very um lengthening system it is not um so like some yoga systems you get somewhere with the breathing the intense breathing in from positions that are you know kind of can be stressful for the body, but you find release through the stress. Um, so, you know, the, all that exists. And gyrokinesis is working in your comfort zone and maybe kind of trying to move beyond that, but it's never kind of pushing you somewhere where your body doesn't want to go because it just, that completely imprints, of course, into your mm-hmm. muscle memory and uh, becomes mm-hmm. a stressful thing. Just like a jogger who jogs with a face like this, you know. <laughs> um, how can this be helpful for their body? So I that's how I got into it. And, and interestingly, the founder of the system lives in Munstertal <laughs> half the year and the other half a year in Miami. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, this seems... Uh, this seems like it's been landed on my doorstep. I'm going to take advantage. So I did, because people come from all over the world. Yeah. This is the European headquarters here. Yeah. And and so again, I was in another a new community of a lot of ex-dancers. And so I just went ahead and did that when I stopped dancing. And um, wow, again, very lucky bridge, a bridge for me and for myself. So when you teach it, you're constantly doing it. You're not standing there telling people about it. You're doing it, you're demonstrating it. It is a multitasking thing. <laughs> and so then and then there's gyrotonic, which is the same system but with machine mm-hmm. and which supports um, all the different not only exercises but your body it, it's you know it's kind of leads you into these mm-hmm. so they complement each other and so I teach that in a physio praxis in town uh, with the machines mm-hmm. and here it seemed perfect for the seemed to me and I still believe it is for the musicians uh, to yeah work. yeah mm-hmm. well actually one of my students who has your class mm-hmm. takes your class um, she led us all in a group of um of some of the gyrokinesis exercises really and we all felt so good after that (laughs) (laughs) and um everyone was totally totally excited about it oh my god that's lovely and and it i also have to say that the students who do take your class um and this is not just (laughs) not just because you're here not just flattery but students who take your class have they have such a a better connection to their bodies and are so much better able to um, feel into what they're doing on the instrument because um, I'm always trying to ask students to, to feel into their bodies and use their natural weight and mm-hmm. momentum and all that. And it's very difficult to do that if you haven't had any experience with movement at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those students who do, I just notice such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think it mm-hmm. actually should be compulsory for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, for for teachers as well. I yeah, I took one I of her classes. I took one of her classes <laughs> that my first semester here. I don't know you if did. you remember I that. I do remember. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take this class. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really great. And and then somehow I got swallowed well, by all the other things. There's never going to be enough time to keep doing but, that. Now. Um, but yeah, yeah, actually, I should do that again. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want to do it now too. <laughs> I saw you doing your warm up once before we did our performance. Oh, right. And it looked so great. It looked like, oh, wow, she must feel amazing after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do still love it. I mean, of course, there's a lot of repetition like in any system, but then uh, the deeper you go into it, the more you get creative with it, like anything mm-hmm. as well. You need to have the mm-hmm. tools. Right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I find it a joy to be able to keep myself and maintaining myself mm-hmm. physically, mentally, and teaching. I can't think of anything better, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. You yeah. just dropped the word creative. Yeah. And I'm wondering, when do, you, when do you feel the most creative or when do you find that you are the most creative? Always, well, when I'm relaxed mm-hmm. and when I, ha- when my humor is, is, uh, yeah, when my <laughs> humor, that just frees me up. Mm. Otherwise I can get, as a dancer, for instance, I was so in this perfectionism groove that, um, oof, that was, that was the, my shadow side, mm-hmm. um, which I, since I've stopped dancing has left me completely. And mm-hmm. again, a major reason why I don't go back to the professional world. Oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. And I don't miss that at all. Um, when I'm uh, relaxed and sort of, t- um, I'm going to say, t- trying to tempt and tease um, uh, creative and actually being able to use my voice this is something I didn't know how much I was, well, let's say missing. I never used it. When I started wow. using it, when when I hit 40, actually, and stopped dancing, um, it just came very naturally to me, this communication, which had always happened outside of training, outside mm-hmm. of performing, um, I could now use in my day-to-day, you know, communicate with the movement together mm-hmm. is, again. So that's, and that just seemed to, become much more of a creative movement became more creative through that I could voice what I wanted to myself I talk a lot to myself anyway mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> so I do that at home that's mm-hmm. when I'm and I, I'm, I'm very creative when I've got nothing around nobody around very late at night I told you this mm-hmm. before <laughs> and you know a bottle of wine yes. <laughs> and music relaxed and, yes uh-huh. relaxed and then I just sort of Take this and that, like bits of things I've written down or books or anything to hand. And if I'm, if, you know, not always, I'm not there doing that every night. I want to give the impression that I'm there <laughs> being like, you know, the mad professor of my thing. That's not how it is. But there is, there is this, um, it starts off, maybe I need to prepare something. And then I just try to make sure my environment is sort of conducive. Mm-hmm. And um, so all those things combined is, is creative. And also ping-ponging off people where I feel they're in, they're open. And then it's just... I'm, I'm a great collaborator, really. You are. I mean, you really you know. are a fantastic collaborator. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a reason that I love working with you so much. You're incredibly inspiring. And, um, and you really are someone who I value so much because you are good at... You just mentioned ping-pong, but um, you can take an idea from someone else and... I feel like you do some sort of acrobatics with the idea in the air and then you're able to, it just, you know, it grows wings and, um, and I feel like not, I mean, this is, I'm sure it's a talent, but is, is this something that you have cultivated or, or is it just something that you've always enjoyed doing or where does that, that ability come from? Did you just notice that you could do that? 
Well, yes, I don't think it's so conscious. I think uh-huh. it is just some. It yeah. is definitely the communicative thing that that inspires me. I do find it quite hard on my own. I have to say to generate something, mm-hmm. but when it's in the room mm-hmm. and it just and sometimes I am surprised as mm-hmm. well, where I'm like, I would never have come in here and thought of that. I mean, I just had a Zoom call to do with the theatre earlier and uh, it was about the stage in which I haven't given a thought to yet um, but the bell crawl <laughs> is always so early you know we're sitting there and we're just thinking of ideas and then you know just somebody but that thing happens with all of us sparks you off and suddenly I visualise the whole space and uh, I've got very dominant I had to take myself down again <laughs> I was like I see this and this and this and then the actual stage starts and said yes alright well I'll think about that <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I don't know. Yes, it's just something that materialises in that second, doesn't it? I don't know. Uh-huh. Mm. And I'm not, um, well, it's more spontaneous than thought about, really. Mm-hmm. So when you create a choreography, mm. do you really have to know who you're creating the piece for before you start? Is that part of your process? Yes. I mean, I just do. I mean, I must say, I'm not, choreography isn't my first love, really. I mean, I've been drawn into it, and I do it, and hopefully, you know, some things come out. But I'm not, I didn't want to, like, I'm going to start my company and, you know, I wasn't visualizing choreography or pieces. So that would be, that would be interesting to know where then I would start. My life, how it is today, for instance, uh, choreographing for the opera and the opera school today, um, that is... uh, that's ryth- rhythmic. It's all to do with rhythm. And, you know, I have this piece of music, and uh, very rarely am I. I mean, uh, the director is is working scenically, so I'm there to do the rhythmic dances. So that's mm-hmm. very clear, mm-hmm. and that's that's when I connect to music and listen to that music I don't know how many times to try and trick myself that's mostly what I try to do trick myself out of my own habits my own, uh, any cliches that will come to mind that things have been done a hundred times and for this I need to hear the music hundreds of times and in my body and in my body and take an element and keep working with it until it finally evolves I haven't found any shortcuts for that mm-hmm. it's, 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 and it's quite a painful long process to be wow. honest so I'm not somebody actually who comes in like I can think of so many colleagues who will just go off into choreography um, no not really I mean either it starts with the music and I have a special task with that music or I improvise it seems mm-hmm. to be and if I have to my non-strong point is definitely organization um, <laughs> so if I have to organize groups <clears throat> I have to really bend my mind I have to really discipline my mind to do that and uh, it kind of kills a certain creativity to be honest mm-hmm. but you know has to be sometimes too mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you have worked with a lot of groups though and I don't know how much of that was organizational yeah. I'm sure I mean it's always part of it but I feel like when I've seen productions that you that you directed where you worked with amateurs um, what came across to me so strongly was that I feel like you were able to create spaces where other people's creativity could come through how do you how do you do that? How do you approach creating something new with people who have never done something like this before? Um, how do you have your vision and then create those spaces? Well, again, if it's been a particular commission, for instance, on the theatre, it will have a theme already. It will mm-hmm. have, we will know what we're going to do. So if I talk about my work with Gary Joplin in the theatre, or with um, um, disabled, uh, integrative 
disabled and non-disabled um, youth, um, <clears throat> we have always got something there that a theme that we're going to use. We'll always work from improvisation first, and so it's about creating a space where everyone feels comfortable in to move. And I'm very clear, as I am actually here very specific tasks to take people out of the connection to how do I look while I'm doing this anything mm. that gets away from yeah. that and um, so and it's so it's super active because otherwise the, the brain you can see the eyes and the brain immediately going back into what am I doing mm -hmm. this is this Analyzing. is strange yeah so um, I'm just like um, bombarding with just you know tasks with literal pure movement with no story I try to avoid sort of mime things like that I, mm. uh, then the, everyone becomes sort of some, doing something kunstlich, you know something um, artificial mm -hmm. and so that's what I do and then we work it depends on the piece but if we have text we'll let people do with that play with that too and form like, for instance we did that one project with um Methuselahs, the people, yes, yeah, yeah. group that's retired, and a also really powerful piece, yeah, yeah. This, this. and one with youth together. So we took the older group and the younger group, and we let them develop their own. We heard the stories mostly from the generation of from the Second World War, actually, mm -hmm. uh, and at least sure shortly after that, and we let them work on particular stories that move them. And then we would um, just play with movement ideas that sort of were inspired by those words. You know, mm. We'd really just focus on certain words and find um, some movements. And it would just sort of go from there, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would, but we would work mostly with group, with the group as a group first, so that they find the group dynamic. Mm. And then we'll pick out solos later, otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, so they don't get self-conscious again. Right. And that's mm -hmm. usually how we, and we, you know, we work with, and then we puzzle it together quite mm -hmm. often. We don't work ever linear. Mm -hmm. um, and then with music, that's, sometimes we'll look for music after the ideas. We rarely start with the music first, I have to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Rarely, unless we have a particular music that, that has inspired us for that idea, mm -hmm. you know, somehow. And how do you integrate music then? How do you choose it? How do you integrate it into the concept that you've already started to develop? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it depends. You know, with dance you'll have, if, if, if you're starting to make, for instance, um, chapters or stories that, that are going to be linked together, um, you just find a color for each 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 story, and we will make a collage. Mostly, quite often, a collage. We rarely have um, a composition that, yeah. that has been, uh, which would be lovely. Um, <clears throat> so we'll we'll find either sounds or like atmosphere if we're creating if we're creating like a whole soundscape for. Mm -hmm. A group action so it'll be more we're trying to create space with the music as well so mm -hmm. um and then you know as so often in dance i mean there's no mystery there there'll be a rhythmic dynamic high points in there and that's going to be a piece of music that we'll look for mm -hmm. simple as that mm -hmm. um we made this one piece about uh, flaccati you know um flaccati uh, carpet 
about it was for well children for insects that live in that carpet and this is yeah this is um oh was this like 12 years ago or something and um we just found a lot of like spacey um space pop music from the 60s and 50s you know and it was just fabulous it just fell into our laps I mean I had it and I said to Gary I said listen to this mate I think this is going to be the thing for our crumbs we had a crumb group crumb mm-hmm. dance where everyone had these giant crumbs from the carpet I can't believe where we went with that oh my god and the music it just amazing. plopped into our lap yeah okay. it was one of our best pieces actually it was wow. fun very fun wow. yeah so, you know, that's somehow, you know, sometimes, and that's the most wonderful thing about, as you know, and art, just when you least expect it, things just suddenly start falling together. Mm-hmm. And and that's just the magic process. The universe helps you. When that, yeah, <laughs> you know, when you're in that flow. And then, of course, there's a time when you realize things are not working and um, things it's yeah. becomes it's as difficult as it was easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just part right. of it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you're describing, the, the kind of work that you do with, untrained dancers sounds a lot like what Kathy Milliken talked to us about. Mm-hmm. We had her as a podcast guest last semester and she's a wonderful composer and oboist and and she works with um, amateur musicians as well and, and also with young people and she what she describes her work as is that she is facilitating creativity and facilitating compositions and it sounds like you're doing mm-hmm. something very similar mm-hmm. and um, and so that you are, in a sense, always choreographing by facilitating the creativity of the people you have in front of you. Is that yes. accurate? Yes, to say? trying to, definitely, yes. Yeah. Yes, I would say that too. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that too. Um, I think I've done this here two last or two weekends ago. We had a casting in the theater, mm-hmm. and I, I had the, the um, we had about on two days, 10 people each time. And I had them making little party tours, but movement party tours, um, where um, they just thought of four or five actions, completely unconnected, so not a story, which could involve the voice or making sounds, screaming, tickling themselves, uh, <laughs> you know, doing something functional like getting up in the morning, whatever. Um, just five or six elements, just putting them together without any logic. But then saying that party tour first, what they're doing. Mm. I'm going to scratch my nose. I'm going to walk backwards. I'm going to sit down and look at my shoe blah, 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 and shout what or whatever. You know, something really completely inane. And and then they say it very kind of dry, just like a report, and then they do it. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a wonderful way. It was so simple, but it was just you saw everything, not everything, but a lot from mm-hmm. them of what not only what they chose, mm-hmm. and how they said it, and then how they did it and the extremes of you know the contrast that were in there um and they really i felt that we could really see them in mm-hmm. that you know and it was it was an it was short enough and uncomplicated enough that they they trust themselves to do it i mean it's, they still had to show it one by one but before that we'd had a big training and i felt they were in their bodies and we went for it and it uh, i felt yeah it, i i felt yeah i think we facilitated them to show themselves the real them nothing to do with what we're going to do and the peace and all that mm-hmm. no, none of that mm-hmm. um because that's on the strength of that we take them in not mm-hmm. necessarily the talent because it's a musical that have to be able to sing a bit but uh, yeah everything else. so your role in this process is to give material to people that they can play with mm-hmm. 
without a lot of preconceived notions of how it should be. Yes. And then you are able to really keenly observe what people bring to the table. And are you thinking already, how could I, how could I work with, with this when you're, when you're seeing these very first performances? I'm sure, yes. I'm sure you're, you're yeah. imagining then yeah. what, what kind of potential. What, what kind of things are you looking for? I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for I, trying to find the natural dynamics and the natural movement and that it'll be maybe only one layer and you just know that there's going to be more there or more contrast. So I'm trying to, I'll give them tasks to show if they're, if I feel that they're very legato in their movement, you know, okay, you're going to do this three times quicker now, this great mm -hmm. solo. And now I want to see it three times quicker. Just try to, you know, show another side. And because they're happy with, well, not happy, but secure with their material. So for me, it's always about making, as I do a lot with um, our students, material ha somehow has to be there we find it and then we play with that so that they're mm -hmm. secure not thinking about what am I going to do mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. but like we're going to try this with it now mm -hmm. we're going to try that and try all different qualities and speeds tempies and and dynamics and qualities and they are then so comfortable with the actual movement that it's not not really mm -hmm. a problem anymore mm -hmm. and um and then yeah and then I go from there mm -hmm. that's what I, I try to do what do you do? Do you have some kind of toolkit to help people, difficult cases, get into their bodies? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the toolkit. Well, again, humor, probably. Asking for a friend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, to get into their bodies. Um, gosh. Because some people are, I mean, a, a lot of musicians, not a lot of musicians, but mm. a fair number of musicians, especially the ones who are more intellectually inclined, are really, really in their heads. Mm. And I have a lot of, uh, it's a big challenge for me to help those people to understand that the body learns at a different rate than the mind. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I just personally really want to know, yeah. <laughs> isn't there a shortcut? Yeah. <laughs> How <Yeah>. do you... <laughs> the friend <Yeah>. is present. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to trust, trust that the body is also quicker learner sometimes than here mm -hmm. again i'm gonna have to come back to jarakanis if i do this rhythmic warm and they're just basically they're either going to come with me and do it i'm doing it in front of them again this rhythmic thing that there's no other chance for them to be in their head they're, they're following me they're doing mm -hmm. it before they know it and then i see them maybe taking something off because they're getting warm and i'm like okay and then, and then it just goes from you know it becomes and whether they want to or not they're going to get in their body you mm -hmm. know and then um and I just noticed that if I stop and ask a question, I see it all going back again. So mm -hmm. I just have to keep going. I have to keep going. And because, of course, certainly the students here, they have to work so much with their mm -hmm. head. Um, anyway, so that's my, that's my main reason. And I just, and uh, all these everyday things are in there, like this stretching and gaining, and so, which is uh, an art for itself. Even the researchers are saying there's so much coming from yawning. We have no idea. Yes. Yawning, yes. yawning. It's, it's waking up the, yep. the areas of the brain. It is, it is just amazing. And the animals are doing it, you know, up to 40 times a day right. true. if we just right. watch them even after a nap of half a <laughs> minute counted. they'll get up and yeah, <laughs> yeah. they'll get up and stretch the stretch and, you know, and, uh -huh. uh, and they don't stretch like we do and collapse they stretch <laughs> and then they slowly go out of it so their muscles are not true. going like oh and I'm dead again no, no true. You know, it's like, yeah. so there's I'm really exploring that and I just mm. I just I just notice a big 
difference even in as you say people who are who are in their heads just can't give them a chance to go yeah. there and i notice as soon as i do because i want to explain something i see it already uh oh they're going back so got to get so them. part of it is finding something that is intense enough and you you mm. talk about it being something having to do with rhythm and mm. literally body heat yes. being being in a state where you're you're working at an intensity where you're feeling heat mm. that you are not able to yeah uh, question go it somewhere go, else yeah. in question your mind? It is that, go into yeah. your patterns your normal patterns okay. yeah okay. so it has it has to be something intense yeah mm-hmm. very yeah mm-hmm. i don't find any other way around that mm-hmm. or any other path that seems to me and that's why i'll be working for the end of my days physically doing it because that's that's the only thing of course with professionals i could go in and i mean i wouldn't sit down but i could just say we're going to do this 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 when i teach a ballet class i can do that and they're technically proficient enough they just go um that's never going to be possible with no, mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. it's an energetic thing it's yeah. just a pure mm-hmm. energy thing Mm-hmm. And that's why mm-hmm. the music that I use also here. Yes. And yes, oh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and, and the students are always like, Ugh. I come with at them with so many. It's sometimes I know too much. So many different <laughs> contrasting music. But for me, it's especially in movement in research. Yeah. It's it's en- it's an energy. It's an energy. Right. Uh, right. Uh, that's what I'm communicating. Right. Not the music itself not yep. not analyzing that music really right. it's a pure energy thing or mm-hmm. an atmospheric where it gives them um again if i give them a task and i know that this is for a musician hard to hear not that i don't want to hear the music but i want to create a, a soundscape for them to feel comfortable to move in and not just be with you know silence which of yeah. course is so loud yeah. and so yeah. i do that i do those things and that's a little sometimes difficult for them as musicians because of course they immediately <laughs> react to the the music so again i'm trying to with it with the task trying to create counterpoint right uh, otherwise again this whole thing of um balance of movement and music i'm always looking for that i that's something else i'm always i told elena this when we were talking about getting ready for this conversation with you I'm always so thrilled to walk past one of your classes and catch a little a little ear spray um, (laughs) of the music that you're using because you always and I think this is maybe another key to getting musicians to be a little bit more in their bodies you're you have such an incredible um, span of styles and genres and um, I I've never met someone who has such a, a broad taste in music. Everything from new music, cage, to just the the most intense. Um, I don't even know what to, how to describe some of the things you use. <laughs> <laughs> they just have this beat that yeah, it just instantly gets you moving. You'd have no other choice. And um, yeah, so I, I I have one question mm-hmm. still and one request. Yes. Um, the question is, if an alien were to ask you what music is, <laughs> how would you answer that question? You're, you, you, yourself, as a, as a dancer, as a choreographer, however you want to define that, but how would you describe music? Is. Oh, gosh. Hmm. Of course, there's the, the technical way to say, how would I say it just straight off the bat? Especially if it's an alien, I would say um, <laughs> transportation, I think. Transporting, for me, music is transporting uh, away from my 
not re- yeah, reality, my world or whatever is going on concretely away, but then also back to myself you know because it's so also so emotional mm-hmm. so it's both and that's what I feel mm-hmm. when I'm moving yes. and dancing to music mm-hmm. um, I'm going uh, with it but actually mm. away somewhere and then coming back and feeling it so mm. that's beautiful I can't yeah. transporting yeah. I don't know that is yeah. beautiful I love that yeah, yeah. oh thank you chills <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and the request um, could you share with us maybe a, a small handful of your favorite pieces it can be greatest of all time it could also be things just that right now are captivating you that you're using that you're loving okay um well i wanted to go back to my favorite child when you said childhood yes. music before yeah my mother it was i was 12 but she took me to the Matthias, the matthew passion okay wow. at the festival hall in london which i was no i was younger i was eight and i was intensely bored mm. i mean i was eight and wow. it's long and yes, uh, you know <laughs> and it was uh, it was i don't know what was you know i was there i was just i mean my mother is a great love of of music so she took me every year and this is how you do let's say in terms of education I don't know um, a child by the fourth year I was <laughs> buying the tickets well I was 14 so eight, nine, 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 what, six years I don't know but I, I actually my mother hadn't mentioned it I was like but we're going to Matthew Passion um, that is my f- absolute favorite music <laughs> and it's it's I'm not a I'm not a um, religious I'm an agnostic actually but I mm-hmm. do feel something spiritual mm-hmm. from the passions from, the, from mm-hmm. Bach's passions so Bach is definitely one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh, Matthias Passion but I used to improvise as a, as a young child I mean it's a mainstream one but concerto and D minor I just adore mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. still um, but I love all Bach variation from swingle singers to Bach in Brazil yes. to blues on Bach I'm a real Bach girl okay <laughs> um and uh, I'm a great fan of Glenn Gould. So I would, if you would pin me down, I'd probably mm-hmm. say yeah. Glenn Gould's Goldberg, but this, mm, the, old, so the second good. version when he was old, okay. yeah. um, is something that yeah, I, I love most. Mm-hmm. Then, um, well, uh, what else? Oh, Gavin Bryars is a favorite of mine. Um, do you know that the, it's not really a song, but uh, Jesus Blood Never Let Me. No, I don't think so. I connect that to a to a dance piece I saw with a Frankfurt mm. ballet, and it was I mean the the move the dance was touching me, but the music, whew, I I was in the zone for like a couple of days afterwards. Wow! It's a, it's a chant from a homeless man actually, and then it's mm. got um, sort of um, uh, s- strings and it sort of builds and builds that comes into it, but it's just a chant. Well, a man a homeless man who said the sentence. Jesus, but let me let me down, and it <clears throat> continues just layers and layers, but sort of gets bigger towards the end. Mm, wow. um, that's my one of my heart pieces, and um, Bonnevere. I like Bonnevere a lot. Yes, I mean, if I'd have to choose, it's very yeah. hard. Um, Is there anyone um, blindsided? I, I like you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, and. Portico Quartet. Do you know Portico Quartet? Okay, so they're um, um, it's it's jazz with electronic. Oh, it's a British band, interesting. and um, they have about five albums out, I suppose. But I was introduced to that from a friend of mine, and I listened to that a lot. Uh, uh, Knee Deep in the North Sea. 
I would say. I listen okay. to that a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. It's an education for us. <laughs> yeah, and we, we will try to put together a little um, list maybe with a link so people can, oh can also God. listen okay. to. And to I this. would like to say this, actually, about when you say about my music collection, that is very much thanks to a boyfriend of mine, the next um, uh, boyfriend of mine, who's uh, a, um, I would say a musician. He's a DJ, but he's definitely a musician in his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, he had the most eclectic, and still does, eclectic mm-hmm. library of music. Mm-hmm. And his name's Jens Galler, mm-hmm. uh, or DJ Bellevue. And he's very active in this town. And he has mm-hmm. uh, a music room full of, uh, I don't know how many thousands of records now, but <laughs> his scope from, I can't even tell, from jazz to Latin to... Uh, collection of European bird sounds you know really <laughs> the whole um, the whole and so he introduced me to wow. to mm. a lot of music and to appreciate different and I'm very grateful for that mm-hmm. yeah. well it's about that time that we're going to get kicked out of the through? whole show then <laughs> <laughs> Because it's nearly 9.30 and that's when we get kicked out of the school. Right. It's bedtime. But we are very grateful for you and also that you took the time tonight. Um, thank yeah. you so And we're going to now continue this in, unofficially. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us. You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media. 